This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so thrilled you're here. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It's my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories. This thing called life can be challenging, and my guests share their amazing stories, wisdom, and life lessons that demonstrate anyone can choose happiness. You see, happiness is a journey, not a destination. I am Sandy Scarlatta, America's happiness coach, author of Happiness Solved. I'm also a retired U.S. national and international figure skating coach. I have a gold medal in ice dancing. I've been a certified life coach since 2004, and I've been inspiring others to shift their mindset and choose happiness for over 20 years. I am so excited to share that my next book is coming out soon. I am a co-author in the fastest growing personal development book series in the world with Jim Lutz and Jim Britt. The really cool thing is that the foreword was written by the one and only Les Brown, and for my copies, I'm on the cover with him. If you would like a free copy when it's available, email me at sandy at sandyscarlotta.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I am so grateful for you. Today's guest is Heather Kent. Heather is a registered psychotherapist with a background in trauma assessment and clinical treatment. Much of her professional practice is focused on helping clients through the process of recovering from unresolved trauma and PTSD. Having survived her own journey through PTSD, Heather soon came to realize that many other people find themselves in the same situation, which leaves them feeling broken, ashamed, and paralyzed by fear. Heather combines her experience from her previous teaching career with her integrative, therapeutic approach to counseling. Since I'm a PTSD survivor as well, I was so excited for this very important conversation. Hello, Heather. How are you today? I'm so excited for this conversation. Thank you so much. Yes, I'm great. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing great. Now you're in Ontario. Yes, correct? that's right. Nice. I'm in the DC metro area, so we're not too far. on the same coast. I used to go. To, I used no, no, not on the same coast. What am I saying? Yeah, it's, <laughs> I shouldn't speak geography because I'm ge- geographically challenged. So, <laughs> um, I actually did uh, some work in Washington when I was writing my book. So I've been there a couple of times in the past few years, pre-pandemic, of course. But yeah, it's such a fun place right. to go. It is. It's very different today. I don't. Most people that live around here do not go into town ever since everything that took place. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 All right. So I don't even know where to start because (laughs) I'm I'm looking at your bio and let's start with how I usually do, which is, you know, tell me about your story as much as you want to divulge um, and, and how you got to where you are today. Um, well, I guess 
my story is uh, a little multifaceted, as most people's are. Um, so I'm actually from the east coast of Canada. I'm from the Atlantic provinces. Uh, so Nova Scotia and Maine actually have a ferry that connects the two. And so I'm, I'm from Nova Scotia. So that's where I originally oh, wow. came from. And my family is still there. Um, but I, I started my working career as a teacher. I was a high school teacher for uh, 11 years. And I taught French and history courses. And I actually taught in post-secondary and did some government teaching as well. Um, but yeah, I, in that time, I was also um, finding my way through a, a pretty toxic relationship in the beginning parts of my career. And um, that was really challenging. And it was uh, one of the big motivators for moving into the work that I'm now doing. Um, as being a survivor myself of, uh, of a, an abusive relationship. And when that relationship ended, I actually uh, decided that I needed to get a lot of distance and just get away and have a complete change from everything. So I, uh, I took a leave of absence from my work and I moved to a developing country for two years. Um, oh, yeah. wow. Which country uh, is that? I moved to the Dominican Republic and... Most oh, people are like, oh, that's nice. fabulous with the beaches and everything. And that. Oh, no, it's very <laughs> yeah, different. Yeah. The tourist <laughs> areas are absolutely fabulous. That's true. Um, but yeah, I was not living um, in those areas. I was more um, inland and, and in rural area. Um, and that was a very interesting and humbling and life-changing time for me and uh, then I came back to Canada and went back to school to do my master's in psychology and uh, yeah my, my work kind of evolved from doing child and family therapy based work and then more focused on helping other survivors and, and my background and training is in is in trauma a trauma assessment and treatment of PTSD and so a lot of my work has sort of naturally morphed into working with other survivors. And so um, those are the sort of big driving factors behind uh, the two books that I've written as well. Um, and so, yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting journey, of course. Along the way, lots of other things have happened. But uh, my, my desire for changing and moving into psychology and therapy work um, really started when I was teaching because I taught in a very underprivileged areas with a lot of um, with students who were showing up with massive massive complex trauma situations from their homes um, oh my and goodness. Uh, you know, that, that must be so difficult to and like yeah. we were just not equipped to deal with those things and so I couldn't help but feel just no. so incredibly paralyzed and like how I was failing them and not being able to help them meanwhile we're like expecting them to show up and sit down and be quiet and learn things and do the work and they don't know where their next meal is coming or their brother's in jail or someone just got shot or you know all of these terribly traumatic things are happening to them you know outside of school and right. and so that was a big motivator for me to be like you know what I really would prefer to be able to know how to deal help people deal with those things so that they can be successful when they show up at school, <laughs> right? So that was um, my initial motivator for changing into the work that I do now. I love that. And now are you able to do anything with any of the education system to help? Yeah, them, so or? organizationally, again, kind of, especially in this post-pandemic kind of place that we're 
starting to navigate. Um, it's really important for organizations to understand, you know, this the pro, the 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 complexities of trauma and how quite often we have these students and often staff members who are showing up each day who are actively going through something or who are survivors of something or who have some unresolved traumatic experiences that are negatively impacting them still. And how do we create an environment that is conducive and inclusive and safe for individuals who are among us each day right, to feel like they are in a safe space so that they don't feel like they might be triggered or re-traumatized by something that happens. Yeah, and and where you were teaching, I mean, those are really big deals yeah. that, that, you know, most kids don't have to deal with things like yes, that. Yes, yeah. You know, unfortunately, we have too many that do, you know, it, you know, even if it's just they don't know where their next meal is coming from. I mean, it's just, it's heartbreaking. And I mean, if we look at the most um, recent case of what happened in um, the United States there, like the survivors of that most recent attack, all of those students have to go back to school now. How could that possibly feel safe, right? And so we look at those, yeah, those exactly. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, <laughs> so... I, I said to Heather before we started recording, I was like, boy, we have a lot in common. So I'm a PTSD survivor myself. And when you were talking about that, it and it was something that I never really thought about too much mm-hmm. of how when when I had my experience when I was 12 years old, until you brought it up, I never really thought about how not one person in the school said anything to no exactly nothing Mm -hmm. and I had just you know my brother had tragically died while serving in the U.S. Army and everybody knew about it but not one person said anything to me so what does that tell a child it's not important it didn't didn't happen happen. it's not important it's no big deal right move on yeah Smile and everything will be okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And this is kind of this, these are like larger systemic issues. And it's not, it's not only in the school system where these things are problems. You know, if we look at law enforcement as well, we look at the legal system, all of these large, you know, systems that we have built really need to be revamped. Um, into this more like trauma-informed, like anti-oppressive sort of framework that most people don't even have an awareness of, right? And like you said, you went to school, everybody knew that you had had this tragic, traumatic loss, and nobody said anything to you about it, right? And so that is a really, really devastating message as a child for you to receive. Yeah, and I mean, it was 1978, you know, people didn't go to therapy. They didn't, but there was just nothing. And and you know what? It's kind of like it's not something that I harbor on. No, it was a product of the time. They didn't do anything. Yeah, it was just. You know, I always use the example. Um, there was one day I was on my bike, and I was a few years after my brother's death, and my my girlfriend are riding our bikes home from cheerleading practice and there was this car parked on the side of the road and I'm riding my bike past him and I look in and there's a man sitting in the car naked and he was you know playing with Mm -hmm. himself put it nicely 
And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I told my friend and we raced home and I said, mom. And I told her, I was like, da, da, da. and she goes, oh, that didn't happen. And I go, okay. And I just forgot about it, yeah. right? Nowadays, the police would have been called. <laughs> the child would be put in therapy. Yeah. The, you know, so which is right, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. because in my mind, it never, I was like, oh, okay. Like, and I never thought twice about it. Yeah. And again, like but if so you, we talk about ACEs or like these adverse childhood experiences and some of them are more impactful and some of them are not really noteworthy or mentionable. Right. Um, and it right. just depends on each person's past experience, their family dynamics, their exposure to such things in the past, whatever, um, as to how right. impactful any of these events are going to be but you know it's impossible to reach adulthood without having experienced some kind of trauma in your life right, right. um and like for me it didn't uh, I was like you know it didn't bother me I was like oh my god look what yeah, I saw I was yeah. like, ah! like it wasn't like ah, oh my god like I wasn't traumatized for sure. but for it, someone so, else who might so have I seen guess, it who maybe had an experience with right. a man at their home Right. That could be really, really, really horrific for them, right? And so it really exactly. just depends, right? And so what right. is innocuous so now what after, is innocuous and like a, a point of gossip for someone could be this like devastating, traumatizing situation for someone else, right? And it could be something as small as, you know, breaking a glass or slamming a cupboard door for someone that's nothing. For someone else, it brings them back to a time when they were attacked, right? Mm -hmm. So here... This was my first live therapy session <laughs> <laughs> with, with Heather Kent. Just walked me through that, that little moment. And now it just reinforces that it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. It is what it is. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> so thank you. It, it, it was obviously this, this guy has some stuff that was going on, but in that time, there was not a framework in place to intervene, right? Either. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that was our PTSD conversation. Is there anything else you want to touch on with that? Because I want to talk about your books. Oh, no. I mean, just basically, but, but like, just basically, you know, the having an awareness that we're always surrounded by people who maybe have gone through something. And so when we have interactions with people, to be mindful and to be kind and to never to remember that we never understand what another person has been through. Oh, thank you for saying that because we don't know what we don't know. That's right. And while that person may not react in a way that you thought they should have, sometimes we have to give people grace. That's right. And and understanding, and, seek to understand, yeah. oh, like what led to that? Like what happened to you? Yeah. Are you okay? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Is everything okay? Can I, you know, did I just trigger something that I said or, or you know, what? But, um, but yeah, so I'm glad you said that because it's so important to remember. Okay. So you've got two mm -hmm. books. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about the first one. <laughs> Heal from your narcissistic ex. <laughs> That's right. Yes. So, um, I love the title. Well, oh God. And honestly, it was, um, it was one of my clients who inspired me. She actually said, she's like, you should write a book about this specifically because it would be so helpful. Um, and I had more and more clients showing up in my practice who were struggling and suffering the effects of these 
relationships with people who were um, suffering from narcissistic tendencies and myself I went through it as well and so this was the nature of the abuse that I sustained as well and so um, and I also really feel like we are kind of living in this era of narcissism uh, right now and uh, a lot of people it's a big buzzword of course um, but to understand like there are specific like this is a clinical problem that does have specific diagnostic criteria and if you kind of look at those traits you can really quickly assess whether or not you're in a relationship with someone whether that be like an intimate relationship or a familial relationship or a work professional relationship and these these relationships these toxic relationships with narcissistic people exist everywhere and so having an understanding of what that looks like and how that abuse kind of manifests is really helpful because a lot of the time the the manipulation and and the way the tactics that are used make a person feel as though they're going crazy and that they have you know are not understanding what's happening or they're second guessing themselves or questioning their sense of reality and all of those things and so it really is destabilizing and hard to understand what's happening when you are in a relationship with someone like this so can you explain what you mean by a narcissist can you just dive into that because there's narcissistic behavior and then there's right being so the diagnostic criteria if we were looking at like the DSM-5 from the American Psychological Association I actually don't love that diagnosis that 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 criteria because it's very specific to only one subtype of narcissistic personality which is the more grandiose or like overt in your face kind of subtype you might be able to recall well-known figures that you might have seen on TV when you kind of look at these traits and so they are they have this really exaggerated sense of self and they love to be in the spotlight they love to draw attention to themselves they want to be in large crowds they talk about how they're amazing how amazing they are they talk about all their accomplishments whether they're true or not they talk about all of the fantastic things that they've done and how much how much people love them and and this type of thing and they they have this sense that they are entitled, that they are special, and that they can only interact with other, you know, similarly special people, like high-profile people, as, such as themselves. Um, they also um, are extremely aggressive in terms of like expecting people to do what they want and do what they say and being complacent and not arguing with them and not questioning them or challenging them. They expect um, people to be jealous of them. They want people to be envious of them. Um, outer appearances are, of course, extremely important. They also do lots of comparing to others and want to make sure that they're, you know, the best of the best and having the best and having the biggest and this, that, and the other. And then we have the hallmark of a narcissistic personality is the inability to um, experience empathy. So this lack of empathy for others, this inability to think about how other people feel, how their behavior can impact someone else, even if they're told how that can impact someone else, they don't care. Like it just isn't a factor. The means always justify, like the ends always justify the means. It doesn't matter how they get there. And they're only going to do something if there's something in it for them. 
That sounds like a key point right there. So, but the, 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 it's the empathy part too. Like it doesn't matter how someone else feels. It doesn't matter what someone else is going through. It doesn't matter what they're doing. It doesn't matter if how they're doing is negatively impacting someone else. None of that matters. Um, and the other big, big piece is the inability to take responsibility, a lack of accountability for their own actions, blaming other people, you know, creating stories where they are the victim and they, they use a lot of gaslighting behaviors and that's, that's kind of where they're like projecting and blaming and saying that the other person caused them to have to abuse them in this way and it's the other person's fault and, or they'll just deny that it happened whatsoever or deny that they said that, deny that they did that. And so these are the types of things that, that are really common traits. And what type of long-term effect does that have on the person on the other side of it? So what a lot of people don't realize is that when you are constantly experiencing this like instability, this walking on eggshells, this constantly, this hypervigilance, and you're trying to figure out what kind of mood are they going to be in and how can I mitigate that and what could possibly set them off and how do I, how do we have this feeling that we have to fix their, like their happiness, their mood is our responsibility. Um, and it just becomes extremely exhausting and you never know kind of what you're going to, it's a little bit like emotional Russian roulette on any given day or any given moment. You never know kind of what's going to happen with that person. And the result of this in terms of, um, long-term effects is that it actually has chemical and physiological changes on your brain. So prolonged exposure to uh, destabilizing and unsafe situations, traumatic events, um, actually, yeah, they cause changes in different parts of the brain. So um, the part of the brain that's responsible for memory for organization, putting putting things into logical order and sequence, that kind of thing, that part of your brain physically shrinks over time. It gets smaller. And so a lot of people who are survivors or have been in these types of emotionally abusive relationships, which may or may not accompany physical violence, um, abusive relationships do not constitute physical violence necessarily. So it's right. really important exactly. to know that. Um, and the long-term effects and the damage that emotional abuse has on a person is far more devastating than cuts and bruises. So they heal much more quickly. So, um, yeah, the, this part of your brain is shrinking, has shrunk out over time. And so they complain about how they can't remember anything. It's really hard to remember. Or like I'll do it, try to do like a a timeline with them of their life and they, they can't remember the order when things happen or there's complete periods of time that they can't recall at all. And it's because this part of the brain has been impacted by the trauma. Wow. That's, that's pretty serious. Yeah. And then the, uh, lower brain stem kind of more primal part that is also significantly changed is called the amygdala. And the amygdala is that danger meter alarm system that goes off when we sense that we're in danger and we have to like deal with it. So that part of our brain that sets the alarm off, danger, 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 run away, fight, or like freeze, that Mm -hmm. part grows. It gets bigger. So you have this hyperactive alarm system firing all the time 
thinking that you're constantly in danger, but you're not able to escape because you live in the dangerous situation. And so it's firing these stress hormones all the time, and it is just extremely destabilizing. You're constantly on edge. You can't sleep. It's difficult to eat. Concentration, of course, is, is affected. And, and yeah, so you're just constantly on edge and super aware, hyper alert, hyper vigilant as a wow. result of that. Wow. And so by working with a trauma specialist such as yourself, that can help to manage. Well, and the, the brain is, is not, uh, it's, it, the brain is malleable, which is the good news because so the brain can heal. Right. It can, it, these things can kind of restabilize and go back to the way that they used to be. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. We, we work on understanding what has happened, why, it's so difficult and why emotions are so hard and why these things are going on. And then we work on the symptoms and we work on strategies to alleviate those symptoms, minimize them, and hopefully fully eradicate them over time. But we cannot heal our brain if we are still in that situation that is causing the harm. Right. You can't possibly. No. You have to remove That's yourself. Right. Yes. Yes. Which is a good segue, segue into your next book. <laughs> I left my toxic relationship. Right. Now what? <laughs> um, and so, actually, that was the first one that I wrote, and it's it's more general. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a more general kind of guide to once okay. you've left. There's all kinds of stuff that's going on. It's very scary to end a a, a toxic relationship because you don't know. The, what the repercussions are going to be, how they're going to punish you, what's going to happen, how they can still come at you. And like, it's very, very scary. Um, and there's all these things to consider. And uh, we might even talk ourselves back into going back because the alternative just seems too too difficult and too impossible and just insurmountable. So there's a lot of those things to work through. And then we look at, um, again, of course, the healing from the trauma. We look at the PTSD symptoms because most people don't realize that they have PTSD. And so we look at those symptoms. We look at <laughs> how we can minimize those and, and increase this feeling of safety because it's all about safety. So, you know, food, water, shelter, safety. Like safety is one of the, and if you look at the hierarchy of needs in the, in the Maslow's yes. pyramid, safety is, is on the bottom. Like it's the main, it's down there with food water. Right. And so we need to create exactly. this feeling of safety above all else so that we can improve our daily functioning. Yes. Yes. So, so important. And I'm so glad that you, you know, have, you went above and beyond what I thought you would with some of your explanations. So thank you so much. I want to add though, just for those of you out there um, who don't fully understand PTSD, one of the misconceptions that I had about it, and and now granted, my therapist, because this, this was many years ago when I was in therapy, um, never labeled me as PTSD. Mm -hmm. And they never, you know, I was not given that label. Um, and I don't know that I would have accepted it because it was my understanding at that time, and this was in the in the 90s, mm -hmm. um, that PTSD, that's for oh, veterans, yeah. POW camp, um, Very common you know, folks coming back from, 
Yeah. And it was like, so, so then I was like, well, I've got a little bit of PTSD, you know, like I wouldn't, and now I really understand it. And I'm like, wow, because whatever trauma you experienced, you own that. That's your trauma. And you can't compare it to somebody else's trauma. It's not like your traumas, you know, my trauma's worse than your trauma, you know, like there's no comparing because it wasn't as bad (sighs) yet. No, there is no, right. Exactly. (laughs) There's none of that because that's kind of where my brain would go. It's like, oh, it's not that bad. It was just kind of, but, but no, it, it is, it's real. I I know how to, the good news is, is I know how to Mm -hmm. deal with it. I know how to talk myself off the ledge when I have an episode. And as a matter of fact, the second time, third time today, I'm, I'm talking about this, um, Last week when I was watching the French Open, which I'm obsessed with tennis. Ah. And so I'm like, you know, in the middle of working, I run out to check the score and I'm sitting there and out of the blue, the way my PTSD shows up is that I now it used to be my ex-husband. Now it's my son that I'm because my brother died. Mm. I'm worried that my son, like something awful is going right. to happen to him. And I'm just sitting there watching the, te- the French Open. I don't know if something was set. I don't know what triggered it. But it, it, it was almost paralyzing. Overwhelming feeling, yeah. Mm-hmm. This overwhelming feeling of, oh my God, something horrible mm-hmm. is going to happen to him. And it's it, it, it left me feeling paralyzed for about a minute. And I felt it. And I, I have my own way, you know, a lot of deep breathing. And I have my own way of dealing with it. And I was able to calm myself down. So within three minutes, it was the it was completely gone. Um, so that's the good yes. news about PTSD right. is that you can learn to manage Absolutely. it. And it doesn't come up that often anymore. It's I mean, less and less frequent. My brother it's died. less and less frequent. Yes. And, and that's the thing, like, it's yes. not... We don't ever, we can't erase the things that happened to us and no therapist can like right. cure your trauma, but we learn right. how to um, understand what's happening to us when they, when these things do right. come up, when these reminders kind of bring us into this space of like, oh gosh, this feels scary, right? And then we're like, oh, yeah. okay, let's, is this really scary or like, am I just having a moment? And then we can work with those strategies on how to bring ourselves back to now, back to what's real, back to the present. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. This has been such a great conversation and such an important one. Heather, thank you so, so much for joining me today. Is there anything else that you'd like to say before we finish um, up? Well, for anyone who might be interested, I'm, I am I do have both of my books available for free um, to download from my website, actually. So if folks are you know, wanting to get more information or wanting to have a look at those resources, if, if any of this is resonating, um, then they can certainly download it from my website, which is just heatherjkent.com, which is my name so they can go over to that and they can also book a consultation time with me if they would like uh to to connect perfect and i will have all of that information in the show notes as well well thank you so much for having me and um remember that we are not alone in this journey and there are other people who are available and who are wanting to help you as you navigate through so thank you so much for having right. me and for allowing us to talk about this as it is really important. And I'm so, so grateful for the opportunity. Thank you, Heather. Take care.
There were so many golden nuggets that were shared during that conversation, and I hope that you can find something that helps you just deal with whatever it is that you went through in the past or are dealing with, you know, in, in today's world. So thank you so much for listening today. As always, I hope that you and your family are safe and healthy and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.